We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back. Gets up the shot. Banks This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, April 2nd, as we enter the final week of the NBA season. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. Got Taylor Peterson with me. I'm not sure how to feel. I'm very conflicted right now. (laughs) We got Nick Crane. I'll help you out, Taylor. There's no downside to this season ending in any direction. It's either a better pick or playoff experience yeah but but now we've got justin peabody hello everybody (laughs) we are coming to you on the heels of the thunders 118 to 128 loss against the phoenix suns lots to talk about as we recap last season or last season goodness last week (laughs) not last season jacob's already throwing in the towel as we recap this past week Look forward to the final week of the regular season of basketball and some possible play-in scenarios. We also, gentlemen, over the weekend, started getting details of the new NBA collective bargaining agreement, uh, the rules that will dictate team building for the next seven years. Lots of little tidbits in there that I think will apply to the Thunder. But let's start with tonight. A 128-118 loss to the Phoenix Suns that felt a little bit closer than that. Thunder got it down to one possession in the fourth quarter. Just could not get over the hump at the end. A little too much Kevin Durant. What are some takeaways you guys have from this one? Second to last game in the Paycom Center this this season. Josh Giddy. Yeah, you go first. You go first. Go ahead. Go ahead. My takeaway was going to be A for effort. This team looked like they were playing at a level that we had come to expect, which the last few games didn't always feel that way. There was long stretches against the Pacers, the Pistons, the Hornets, 
where this team just didn't look like the same team that we've watched for 75 games this year. They looked disengaged, especially on the defensive end. And tonight against the Suns, which are firmly in the hunt for an NBA title, they they held their own. They got down by 16. They punched back. They made it a one-possession game, like you said, Jacob. The final score not really indicative of, of how it felt. I think Oklahoma City played really solid. Dagnall had a quote post game where he said something along the lines of what he told the team in the locker room. Like, if you play like you did tonight, the rest of the year, we're going to we're going to be able to lay our heads lay on the, our head on the night. pillow. <laughs> uh, we're going to be we're going to be fine with that. And like the chips fall where they may. But if they put forth the effort that they did against the Suns tonight, they're going to be in good shape. So, Nick, I know you're about to jump into Giddy, but mine kind of goes along the, the same lines as Justin's here. Uh, so I'll go, go ahead and cut you off again. Sorry. Uh, but I think let's just I, not I let something Nick out. speak all night. Yeah, let's just. I'm down. Makes my life easy. He's about to speak. <laughs> I'll just I'll just ping you guys in the chat when I have thoughts. <laughs> um, I, I think I tweeted something out like this game is equally disappointing for a completely different reason. And the reason, and what I meant behind that, is that the Thunder played the way. Just to Justin's point, if the Thunder played the way they did tonight, uh, over the past week, they're probably three and zero instead of one and two during that stretch. So that's what was really disappointing for me because there were obviously multiple chances for the Thunder to win this game. There's multiple reasons they didn't, which we'll get into. Um, but they had chances. They put themselves in position to play, you know, really go toe to toe against one of the best teams in the entire league. Um, and if they played like they did tonight. Uh, you know, I, I think they're we're looking at a three and zero stretch, and they're flirting with the Lakers and uh, the Timberwolves instead of you know a game up on the Mavericks right now. So what you're saying is you're tweeting out cryptic stuff now that everyone's going <laughs> to wonder about, and then you're going to explain yourself on the podcast post game. That's how you get listeners, Nick. That's what you're getting. Taylor okay, click got it. Peterson. Got it. That's got right. it. Uh, my takeaway, like. Not that he had the most incredible game he's ever had, but some of the little things that Josh showed tonight, I think further um, enhanced my thoughts over the past few weeks that he's improved a lot, but hasn't gotten the credit he deserved because of Jada being an incredible rookie and Shea making this all NBA leap. Like Giddy's kind of this, he's, between him and Dub, like one of those guys is the second best player on this team right now. You could argue which one, but I think most people would say Dub just because he's like the fun new guy and Giddy's like this second year. Um, we've seen this before, the triple doubles, like it's it's just not the new hip thing. But if you go look at his numbers, like way more efficient, way more productive, just a much better player, which is incredible given he was damn near first team all rookie last year and he's made this much of a leap. Um, but then even the little things like his his handle is much more tight this year. His decision making is much better this year, even from earlier in the season. Like there was that sophomore slump conversation we were having four months ago where it was like, Giddy's yeah. doing things that we've not seen from him before. Um, just come a long way. And tonight was another night where there was just little plays here and there where I was just like, man, we we haven't talked about Giddy enough. We haven't given him enough praise this year. Because that dude legit has taken a great rookie campaign and has gotten a lot better. I think that's fair. I want to go back to the top real quick to Justin's comment about the effort. Uh, Justin, you had the Friday night post game podcast after they lost to Indiana. 
really bad experience for me. I explicitly (laughs) avoided all spoilers. I went to see uh, the new Dungeons and Dragons movie Friday night. And so I avoided everything because I was going to come home and watch the game. Uh, And I had a few people texting me while I was watching the replay. I was like, no spoilers. And, you know, I was laughing whenever Shay gets the rebound with the shoe in the hand and yada, yada, yada. They were up 10 in the third quarter. And I was like, oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to pull this one out. Then they ended up losing. I'm like, why did all of you assholes let me rewatch this game? Why didn't somebody spoil it for me so I could have saved two hours of my life? Yeah. But Justin, I thought in that post game podcast, you hit the nail on the head. They played 17 games in March, they were all over the place. It looked to me like a combination of tired legs and just things catching up to them, right? I wouldn't blame them if they went in thinking that they were going to win those games. Yep. And then, uh, played a little bit down to their competition. But I think I saw a stat the other day that like Giddy has played 500 more minutes this season than he did last season. And the season's not done yet. Crazy. Yep. Shay's played like 500 more minutes. Like they're playing a ton of minutes Yep. and the flat shots against Indiana, the slow rotations, that's tired legs. 100%. I thought tonight they came out incredibly disciplined uh, on top of it and just, worked their butts off for the entire game. Um, I was really, really impressed. I thought this was maybe. It makes me hopeful down down the stretch because it slows down. Like, yes, it's, there's only four games left, but they have multiple nights off in between games, three games left. Pardon. Today was number four, (laughs) three games left, but like it's stretched out over a week, which is like the, the least compressed stretch of schedule they've had in quite a while mm-hmm. maybe that gives them some chance to recuperate heading into the play-in hopefully definitely so, so i that- just i thought the effort tonight was was awesome i thought defensively here's the thing like did they leave some guys open at the three-point line tonight and give up some easy baskets yes but i think the context was completely different indy it was slow rotations and slow legs tonight it was I've got to rotate because Kevin Durant's in a one-on-one against Isaiah Joe and someone's got to get over there to try to stop him from going to the basket. Right. And Devin you know? Booker's open in the corner. Like, what are you going to do? I yeah. Think who, that's fair. DeAndre do I, do I run to Booker and, or do I run to Ish Wayne? Yeah. DeAndre looks Aiden like a geo dude on steroids. Right. Right. <laughs> now to your point, Jacob, um, you talk about the intensity and how that, and, and kind of to what I was talking about earlier, like obviously the, I think the intensity from the very beginning um, was apparent. And post game, Dignall and Wiggins both talked about this. And literally the very first play, I don't know if you all noticed it, but and Jacob, I know you were there. The Thunder trapped Booker immediately. And Dignall said on trapping Booker on the opening tip, we trapped him last game and it was effective. It was just a quick little reminder to let him know we are coming. I love that quote. Uh, but then Wiggins also said, we started out with a trap off the jump ball. We wanted to let them know that we are here to compete. That's, that is what they did. I, I saw a lot of the same, I think, in the first half, though. Uh, missed three-point shots, missed open shots and jumpers that I think would were really critical when you look at the game as a whole. But again, that, that second half happens. And the Thunder really come out swinging. They give their best punch, to use another Dignot, uh, Dignot-ism there that he mentioned post-game. And we saw them go on a little bit of run, like you all mentioned at the top of the podcast, and get it there to about four points. So uh, 
I don't know. I, I still see a lot of that. The tired legs, the defense rotations, the three-point shots, but there always obviously was a difference playing back at home and playing against a team like the Suns uh, compared to what we saw the past three games. They played really hard tonight. Uh, Nick, you talked about Josh. I think he's, especially like post-All-Star break, he came out kind of slow after the All-Star break and then really just turned it on. Tonight, Phoenix's size, I thought, messed with him a little bit. Um, there's two things I notice a lot about Giddy. He, f- You can tell when size is bothering him whenever he starts going to the floater over being more physical. Uh, he was physical with guys like Campaign and Chris Paul and Devin Booker tonight. But then when KD or Biombo or Aiton were on the back line, uh, he tended to float shots up. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this. It really stuck out to me tonight on like two or three separate plays. If Giddy catches a pass and immediately goes into the shot, it goes in. And if Giddy catches the pass and kind of gets into the shot and then looks around and then stops and shoots and hesitates, it never goes in. And I don't know, just it's part of that rhythm thing. There were a few plays tonight where he would catch it with like Aiton playing five feet off of him and didn't shoot it immediately. I think that's maybe the next evolution for him yeah. is he's shooting the ball better. Now be more confident in it. And you got to fire that thing up. Like you have to shoot that basketball. Well, there's a huge difference between being a, a catch and shoot rhythm guy and a, and a movement shooter. Um, I've got a, a trivia question for you. And just given, given what I ask, I think it's going to be pretty obvious. So I'm going to, I'm going to make it harder than I originally wanted to, as I talked about That's it. That's what she said. Uh, I want you guys to give me the post all-star break three-point shooting percentages for Josh Giddy and Isaiah Joe. Ooh, Joe's is awful. It's like... I bet Joe's like 32%, 31%. I was going to say 32. Justin, what do you got for Joe? Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to give him a little more just prices right this thing. 33. <laughs> 34.2. So oh, not as well, given he, given he missed like what 12 14 yeah. in a row like it's it's definitely 16 definitely, it got up to 16 yeah. in a row <laughs> okay yeah. so what's josh giddy's three-point percentage since you said start, you said joe's was 34 34.2 josh is 35 <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna say 32 taylor let's get crazy and go 36 well jacob and taylor split the difference 35.5 that's before okay. tonight because I think NBA.com stats don't re- like update till the morning. But regardless, the fact yeah. that Josh Giddy shooting a better percentage than Isaiah My guy Joe, was 2 of 7 from 3 tonight. But uh, I do love seeing him take those attempts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's which, positive progression, like 32.7 yeah. on this season, something like that, which is like up 6 or 8%. You'll take that. Like if Josh finishes I mean, 32 was two from 3 this year, three tonight as well. love so, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hmm, One of my takeaways tonight um, – I think it'd be kind of two things wrapped up into one. Uh, the rotations are interesting. After the Charlotte game, the rotations have very clearly changed and yeah. they're playing the good players a lot and the developing players, not as much. Uh, for instance, no Poku tonight at all. Um, Jane gets five first half minutes and that's it. Yep. Dario Saric, he's 14, was one of the first Sarge. left off the bench. And I, I thought Saric played well tonight. 
Um, yeah, so that was an interesting wrinkle because he's been out of the rotation. And then there, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Their, their commitment to playing small ball. Yeah. I mean, they were comfortable putting J-Dub on Bismack Biombo and DeAndre Ayton tonight and then forcing the Suns to play defending space on the other end. I think that's what we're going to see from them. I mean, their best players are – their best five are five guys that aren't bigs. And I think even if they play like a, a two-big lineup in Minnesota in the play-in yeah. tournament, they're going to go small. So – any of those three things, either the the rotations and, and playing good guys more minutes now, the Dario Saric stuff or the small ball stuff that you guys want to dive a little bit deeper on? The the Saric thing is the most confusing to me. Like, why tonight? Is it just because it's his former team and they felt like he might know something? Like, Or did why? JRE show enough that you weren't comfortable with him anymore? I mean... Did it take until now to decide that? <laughs> I, th- I think I, des- I personally my, decided that a long time ago. For sure, for sure. My my uh, viewpoint on this, which is not the right viewpoint, it's just my viewpoint, is that the Thunder view JRE as a guy that's probably on this team longer term than Saric. And so he's got a longer leash and he's going to get more games than someone like you and I, Justin, would give him. Yeah. Like I get, same with you. I'm like, JRE's yeah. not the guy this season at least. Jerry's not the guy yeah. for, for what this team needs right now. But from a team building standpoint, from the Thunder standpoint, yeah. you could see where he would get two, three, four extra games to turn it around before you go back to Sarge. Sure. That's so on the flip on the flip side of that, and to Jacob's point about tighter rotations, a, a guy I think who kind of falls in a similar boat due to the inconsistency that I still don't understand, but the one thing I keep coming back to is a very similar reason to what Nick just mentioned for JRE. Uh, I'm talking about Aaron Wiggins and his inconsistent playing time. And I think that's because I think, uh, you know, Mark and the organization want to get guys like Usman Jang and Poku, whoever more playing time and just kind of see what they have in them, try to develop them a little more where with Aaron Wiggins, you always know what you're getting night in night out. So maybe that's a reason for that. Those inconsistent minutes, especially in a game like against Charlotte, but tonight he comes in and, you know, Jacob was talking about this, but he was the leading uh, minutes getter, <laughs> the player getting the most minutes off the bench with 22 minutes. And honestly, I think he probably could have gotten even more. I think that was only like two, yeah, two more minutes than uh, Jay will off the bench, yep. and especially if Thunder's going to play small like that. And when you don't have Kenrich Williams, especially against a team like the Suns, I figured that Wiggins would get more burn just against KD defensively. I thought he did a fantastic job offensively as well. It just fits the flow of this offense so so well and is the reason that they're able to play kind of smaller at certain times just like with j-dub for example so kind of going back to your original point there jacob i i thought playing air wings aaron wiggins like that kind of led to um a lot of strengths for the thunder and, and the reason they were able to play like they were against the suns tonight yeah uh oh. tell me if you guys disagree with this these last three games the front court rotation like the four five in theory, it's like all positionless now. The four five, I would like to see both Jalen Williams. Disagree, agree, indifferent. For what did you say? The rest Wait, of the season? That, yeah. The rest of like the last three games of the regular season. The big minutes at the four five, I would like to see are both Jalen Williams. 
I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a viable alternative. Yeah. I don't know that we, that's, we, we talked like, about Dario. Taylor yeah, mentioned just, Wiggins playing up a bit. I just don't think that happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm with yeah, you. Like, I'm with I, you. I think I would like to see Dario more at the five. That that's where my head's at. Like that's what I'd like to see. I just don't but see I just it yeah, happening. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think there's the whole development aspect, right? Um the yeah. and, and they don't mention that after you know, again going back to that Charlotte game, the, the post game comments that created so much buzz good and bad um they aren't going to just abandon you know they're just going to play sarge yep. for the sake of the plan here down the stretch and abandon jay will's potential development at the same time i also think to your question nick i would rather see more small ball um over any of those alternatives be it sarge or jay will just because i think that's so a, a kind of goes to what the thunder are building towards and b i mean <laughs> Go ahead and, and and chalk this one up for the ob- obligatory Chet comment on the on the podcast. But like <laughs> you throw Chet into that position next season, I just think it's we're a getting a comment soon in the chat. It's coming. That's yep. right, Amen. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> Those are just kind of my thoughts in, in regards to the J Will. But yeah, J Dub. I mean, I don't, okay, I don't so see why he shouldn't be on the floor. Back to the yeah. trivia question: We talked about post All Star break. Who is the leading three point shooter on this team post All Star break? Is it J Dub? Oh, you guys both have one and two right, but who's one, who's two? J-Dub is number one. J-Dub is number one at 43.4% from beyond the arc. He's like 50-40, no, 50-50-90, but dude, almost. It's insane. Pre-All-Star break, we were saying if Jalen Williams can figure out a three-point shot, this dude is going to be so good. And guess what? Yeah. Yeah. Here it is. That's awesome. I didn't realize yeah. it was quite that high. Yeah. What's Jay Will? Jay Will is 36.5. That's a pretty large gap between yeah, one and two. Jay <laughs> Dub is the only guy gap. shooting above 40% since the break by wow. you know, four to what's, five. What's Jay Dub's attempts? Like three a game? 2.8. 2. 2. I was thinking about that also, Jacob. Yeah. Like, Jay Will um, is 3.0. More attempts. Although I know that shooting percentage will obviously go down with more attempts, but Lou Dort six point still... one, good grief, um, six point one. Got got to make it a Lou Dort mention here since you brought him up. Go ahead. I thought he was awesome defensively tonight. Yeah, yeah I mean he was just up as in always. everybody's stuff. Like as always, they matched his minutes with Devin Booker for a while, dude. Yeah. Okay, I sat pretty close tonight. So like I could nice flex. Whenever you sit up in Loud City, it's hard to be able to tell like the size of players. Sat pretty close tonight. Uh A K D is stupid big. Like he's enormous. J Dub is a big dude. And I'm not kidding you. That first half, the Suns were scoring down on my end of the of the court. And when KD would turn around and do that like little midi post-up move, I mean, his ass is in like J Dub's chest. I mean, that's how shorty, like, it was crazy. There were plays where I've seen the replay already, like, um, while we've been recording here, and it looks like J-Dub has a good contest, and KD just hits it over him. Yeah. When you're close, like, nothing you can do. J-Dub's arm isn't even up to yeah. Kevin's elbow. Yeah. Like, it's it's insane. You know, there, there's a reason that he is maybe the most pure scorer to ever play the game of basketball. Yeah. It's because he's seven feet tall and is smoother than your favorite point guard. Yeah, he's he's insane. I thought whenever they switched Lou over to 
KD, like he made life tough for him. Like yep. KD could still shoot over the top, but Lou didn't let him get to his really comfortable spots. Defensively, I thought Lou was awesome tonight. They had to adjust and get get KD in the corners on a couple yeah. of possessions yeah. because of what Lou was doing. Flip side of the coin, I might finish better at the rim than Lou Dort does. <laughs> I like, my God, man. The dude cannot make... Now, some of it tonight was beneficial for the Thunder because other guys would get the rebound off a Lou Dort missed layup and get an and one. And so you got like the points and a free throw. But man, I don't know if I can tell you how many like easy looks at the rim. He just absolutely smoked. Smoked again. I mean, he the dude's kind of got the yips. It's bad. It's bad. 100%. It is. You can't pass to him on a fast break. Don't like just don't even consider it. There, There was multiple times tonight on a fast break, and it's like they'd throw it to Dort, and it was just like, nope, you already knew. You already knew before it happened that it wasn't going in the basket. Some of the half court sets where he like drives hard and tries to lay it up. And it's like a game of, Does he even hit the can, rim? can I put this basketball through the backboard and shatter it? And it's just like, dude, my, like again, not to take anything away from Lou. He was awesome defensively when he's in the corner shooting wide open threes off other players driving kicks. It's typically pretty good. But man, the finishing is bad. Like bad, bad, bad. Yeah. It's it's to tough Justin's to watch. point, you want other players driving instead of him. I did yep. think though, especially early, when the Thunder were kind of struggling just to get a spark in general. Um, and even at the very be- beginning of the game when they were just kind of going toe-to-toe with the Phoenix Suns, I thought Dort's uh, uh him attacking the offensive boards was huge. He was providing a big spark just with effort on that end of the floor. But you're right, the, the finishing, the scoring. I mean, again, two of seven from three, which I understand. I just said I, I liked Giddy's two of seven, uh, at, at not necessarily the efficiency, but him shooting seven times from three compared to Lou shooting seven times from three. Yeah, um, four um, of but four of 14. Giddy's five just, of 16. Nine of 30 between the two of them. Not good. Not good. You need one of them to be more efficient. Kind of crazy. It's... If Lou finishes layups, they maybe won this game. True. Now I know we've we're almost to the thirty minute mark. I I think it would be we we would be remiss if we got to the thirty minute mark and didn't mention probably the biggest thing in this game to me, which is the most obvious. And I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just me. I feel like I maybe haven't talked about it enough on my post games and just this season because Shea continues to just you know you almost expected at this point the leap that he's made and it's, it's almost felt so like. Great, you know, in the way that like you'd look up at the scoreboard when Kevin Durant for, was was playing for the Thunder, and it's like holy crap, he already has thirty points, but you didn't really notice it. It was quiet. It's almost the way that Shea. I mean, it, obviously the season's been a little more loud for Shea and his leap and ascension, but you just kind of expect it from Shea night in and night out. Shea went toe to toe with arguably the best offensive player in the league, maybe the history of the NBA. Outscored him, had thirty nine points, did every single thing. He could for this team tonight. Uh, I understand his defense maybe hasn't been at the same level that we've we've seen it uh, this season. I thought season his defense was really week. good tonight. But tonight, I, I agree, especially compared to the last three games. Yep. I thought Shea was just absolutely phenomenal. And I'm not sure that there's any better way to end the, the this game breakdown than talking about Shea and his superstar ascension. He had that he had that poke from behind that 
got the ball out and then he went down and got absolutely hacked by Kevin. Oh my gosh. That that no. Okay. The refs, maybe we should also mention the ref, (laughs) but like that, that was a great example of like, I think the thunder turned the ball over or missed a shot right before that. But Shea saw the opportunity to poke the ball out from behind from Booker. And it, it set the thunder up. That's the kind of stuff that Oklahoma city just wasn't doing enough of in the last four games that they did tonight. You saw it come back and Shea was a big part of that when he's locked in on, on defense, it helps set the tone. You've got to have everybody locked in. And it felt like he, he was playing at at a higher click on both ends of the floor tonight. Definitely. And I love that he, he wanted Devin Booker. Like, yeah, not, not to defend him whenever they came down on offense, he was looking for the switch. I mean, mm-hmm. he cooked Devin like the rotisserie chicken Taylor's going to have to eat on the pod pretty soon. <laughs> I mean, he went to work. I mean, Devin didn't stand a chance. And I, I tweeted it from the podcast account tonight. The true beef behind Devin Booker and Luka Doncic is who can complain to the refs more. Because <laughs> so Devin, Devin complains so much. So it's it's annoying. And look, I, do, I don't think the refs... I hate blaming refs and... The refs have been terrible uh, in comparison, I feel like, the, the past two seasons just because there's a new blood, if you want to call it that, coming into the, the NBA refereeing circle. Um, but specifically tonight, I mean, there were just some egregious calls against The, the Aaron Wiggins no-call was the worst. And the no-calls, yes. That and then, like, As Justin soon as they fouled the crap out of Wiggins no. and everyone booed and he didn't get the call, I sat there. I went to the game with my parents. And I said, you ready for the makeup call this next possession? Minimal contact on Shea, foul. Yeah. I was like, they, they're going to make this thing up. They knew they screwed up on that one. Yep. But was man, that that uh, KD foul on Shea that they didn't call it was just, I mean, that was a huge swing. I think it was you who tweeted that from the account, Jacob. I, I think yeah. this is uh, not talking crap on the guy because we all love him. But Dub's kind of turning into a bit of a complainer. He does complain a lot. A lot. Like we, the, the Luca light comp we got from whoever's pod that was. <laughs> so the he's got, the, he's got yeah. the complaints to go along with it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He, uh, he gets fired up it. after the big plays, the dunks, the, the big Dub's shots. right. But dog, he if, should if, complain. If Dub can be Luca light, we'll take the complaining all damn day. That's right. What? Well, that's the byproduct. Cool. It's really hard for me to watch Luca. Like it just gets under my skin, man. And I'm sure Dallas fans don't care. Well, 15 second rant. You can count me on it. Uh, <laughs> all the things Russell Westbrook got obliterated for on his as upcoming as a superstar is the same crap that Luca does now, and it's only a matter of time until he's old enough that it actually matters. Done. 13 <laughs> seconds. Look at you. I- I totally you did agree, mention Nick. that in our, our Slack the other day, Nick. And he, he has the excuse because he's young. He's like, he's 24 years old. So it's like, he hasn't won anything, but he's also 24. But yeah, yeah. when he's when he's 28 or 29 and still hasn't won anything, if that doesn't change. He's still complaining yeah. and is still doing triple doubles without it. Like, what's yep. the difference? Yeah, none. None. Any other thoughts Thus, on tonight's game, guys? All I was gonna say just, was you should know you should know how Mavs fans feel about Luca because it's probably how you felt about Russ. <laughs> exactly, that's, <laughs> that's, fair. It's, that's, that's, that's very exactly fair. right. I was just gonna say in regards to tonight, I just hope that the Thunder at so they don't play at home again until their season finale a week from today. Uh, like Justin 
mentioned, that means the games are stretched out, which is great. But we see this team almost look completely different on the road versus away. You know, we talked about Lou specifically, we talked about Isaiah Joe specifically, but this team as a whole, especially post All-Star break, really seems to struggle on the road. Um, so I just hope they are able to bring that same intensity they did tonight yeah. and these next two away games before finishing the season at home next Sunday. And Chase Center, going to be tough, as always. Utah, the altitude, always tricky. Like, definitely not great scenarios by by any stretch of the imagination they're going to be tested yep. for sure that's but the Mavs uh, have a lot of work to do dubs uh lost tonight two-point game uh to a Jokic list denver nuggets so take that as you will the the dubs are now only a half game up on the la clippers no i think they're tied with the la clippers now after tonight and um that would put them two and a half back of the four seed. So it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how they approach that game Tuesday night. We got a lot to talk about. That's not this game. So let's get to that on the other side of this break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, gentlemen, a lot more to talk about. Let's jump into the play-in race. It's kind of what everybody's been focused on. As of right now, the Thunder are still in 10th. Uh, The Dallas Mavericks lost today. The Minnesota Timberwolves lost today. So OKC is one game behind nine. They are one game ahead of 11. The Jazz losing today, I think, kind of just puts them out of reach. Uh, They nearly beat the Brooklyn Nets. It was a one-point game to, yeah. to end it. But I think the Jazz may be like a little too far out now. Uh, a game and a half to make up over the next three is a tall task. Um, the Thunder, one game up on Dallas. They have the tiebreaker. So Dallas, if Dallas ties OKC, OKC still gets in. Uh, same thing with OKC in Minnesota. If OKC can tie the Timberwolves, the, then the Minnesota Timberwolves still get the higher seating uh, the thunder would have to outright pass the timberwolves where do you see this thing ending um and i don't i was about to give you an hour count but i don't know how many hours are in seven days i'm i was told there would be no math as justin tried to what was it count games the other night on the podcast Dude, yes that was, that was, awful. That was pretty funny and that then was, somebody that, commented that 
in the the chat. That was, was a man. Great, a man with the deep A-man. cut. I was told there would be no eight hours for what it's worth. How much? One hundred and sixty-eight in seven days. Look at Nick. What are you a math magician, Nick? No, ChatGPT. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that that's just one of those weird. That's one of those weird like numbers that are in my head. Like when you think seven days in a week, it's just like one. It just I don't know. How many ounces okay. are in a in a cup in a gallon? Sixty-four. Sixty-four. I was gonna say it's not six. <laughs> it's not math. It's just memorization. How? What's ten times forty-two? Forty-two hundred. <laughs> okay. Just maybe four hundred twenty. Four hundred twenty. Sorry. <laughs> now you're making maybe me actually. Now you're making me do actual. I maybe told you what I told it. you was memorization. Got when you him. get to actual math, that's where I'm not there. Yeah. All right. Well, and however many minutes or hours Nick just oh, quoted boy. me. Don't make him uh, do minutes. <laughs> can't do that. What uh? Yeah. What does this thing look like? In however many exactly hours it was, 164, 168. 168. In 168 hours, I think it looks exactly in a like week. It does now, when we're doing this podcast a week from today, from tonight. Yep. Justin, you say it OKC looks exactly 10. like it does now. OKC ten, Minnesota nine, Dallas eleven. I think it stays put. I agree. Thunder have Thunder have to make up two games in the final three on Minnesota. Dallas has to do the same to Oklahoma City. Yeah. I don't trust Dallas That's to do lot. that. I don't trust Oklahoma City to do that with their schedule. I, I think no. it I think it stays put. Yeah. I agree. I wish I could. The Wolves have the Nets, Spurs and Timberwolves. Are, uh sorry. Of course. <laughs> Spurs and a win-win, isn't it? Plot yeah, twist. Nets, Spurs, and Pelicans uh are who is left for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. You're not making They haven't been playing good, but even if they went one and two. I believe OKC would have to go undefeated. Is that right? Correct. Yep. And same I, scenario for Mavs and Thunder. So if Oklahoma City goes one and two, Mavs have to go three and zero. I feel pretty good about the Thunder going at least one and two, and the Mavs schedule. Not uh, they have the Kings, the Bulls, the Spurs. Kings just lost to the Spurs. The Kings are probably going to come in wanting to prove something Tuesday night. Um, yep. I mean, if if the Kings beat the Mavericks Tuesday, I think it that kind of shuts the door. I mean, it's not official official, yep. but I feel pretty confident. Yep. Feels pretty good. Agreed. So are we all in agreement that it's Mavs are out and then Thunder versus Minnesota in Minneapolis? For the first game of hopefully two playing games, I think so. That's a fun matchup. Any chance anybody else slides down to that um, that nine spot? I mean, New Orleans and Minnesota do have to play each other. That'll be a big game potentially. That could that be fun. Final game of the season. That could be yeah. for who's eight and who's nine. Who's got to only win fun. one out of two, and who's got to win two straight. Where's Nick gonna fly? New Orleans or Minneapolis? Uh, I hope Nick doesn't cancel the flights early and then end up canceling the wrong one. <laughs> You're probably gonna speak that into existence. Now or brain, or he waits till all those games are done and then he brain farts and accidentally clicks X on the wrong one. I have to do math and I do 400 and 
or forty two hundred instead of four twenty, and I <laughs> canceled the wrong. Goes a little too far. <laughs> of those two teams, it, it, it's looking like it's going to be Minnesota or New Orleans. Most likely Minnesota, maybe New Orleans. Do you guys have a preference on who the Thunder go play? Like they would be visiting that team. They'll be on the road. Do you have a preference on who they play against? I'd rather play Minnesota than uh, than the Pelicans. I know the Pelicans oh, struggled recently, uh, but I just I don't know. Watching the watching the Timberwolves this season, I think the Thunder have a better chance against them than they would against the Pelicans. And Zion's for sure out. Is that what we're assuming? That's what I'm, I'm assuming. assuming. Even yeah. if he's not, I mean, he's not, he's not going to be in shape. He can, you like drop, he... he can drop 26 out of shape. I'm not <laughs> like, he's been, he's be been doing it for three years. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> he's never been in shape. Uh, I, I think I want the Pelicans. I, I might be with Ooh. Justin here. Okay, I so just, as much as I hate Rudy I, Gobert. Yeah, I couldn't size, live with man, Rudy Gobert knocking this team out. Does yeah. this change your mind? The Pelicans this season are 25 and 13 at home. The Timberwolves are 21 and 19. Not no, really. Like two games. It's just one really. game. <laughs> just one game. Even though the Thunder I, are 15 and 24 on the road. I don't know. I just. Eamon, Eamon brings that, up a good point in the chat. Ingram has been very, very good. That's kind of my thought. I mean, it's, it feels like they're running on momentum right now where the Timberwolves have been. Throw J-Dub I mean, granted, on him. We'll be all right. Be better. That's right. I, I mean. Bi scares the crap out of me, but so does Ant. It's not like this. Exactly. It's it's not this cat go bear crap that scares me. It's like it's the Ant and the Bi. Like, Bi uh, is way underrated. He's really good. He's so um, good. I think it's the both that makes me pick the Pelicans over the Timberwolves. Like it's yeah, cat and go bear matchup down low, giving Oklahoma City trouble. Plus with Ant. yeah versus Pelicans. It's B.I. and a lot of other dudes that are solid. But the, okay. I don't think the matchup problems down low are going to be as apparent. Like, I think Oklahoma City could force New Orleans to play small. I don't know if that strategy works against Minnesota. Okay, The another... offensive rebounding against Minnesota also worries me because I think yeah. the Thunder, like I said earlier, are committed to the small ball. And, yeah. I mean, like, would I be fascinated in J-Dub guarding Rudy Gobert Dort guarding Cat, Aaron Wiggins guarding Anthony Edwards, and you just space them out on the other end of the floor. Like, that's fascinating. But I think Minnesota would just eat offensive rebounds, and that kind of terrifies me. So, another I do, I keep forgetting that, Taylor, real quick. I'm always love playing devil's advocate. Uh, <laughs> recency, like, it's all about getting hot at the right time. The Pelicans are seven and three in their last ten. The Timberwolves are four and six. Still doesn't move the needle for you. I do keep forgetting that uh, that Conley's on the Timberwolves now because you just don't see anything about him. <laughs> You're just looking at box scores. You're like, oh yeah, there's another you know twelve and seven assists for Nas Reed's for Mike also Conley. out. Yeah. Reed's out. Nas Reed's good. Too. I'm just trying to convince. I, I agree with you guys, but I'm trying to like give you the counter argument to see if it totally. No, that's I, fair. I think the 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 counter argument to the counter argument again is like it's one game. Like the trends, if this was a series, 
maybe that helps sway me. It's one yeah, game. That's and I think in one game, I'm looking at strictly matchups. The trends, the last 10, the home court, I, I don't know that any of that factors as much as like dudes versus dudes. And I think I'd rather be against the Pelicans dudes. I do think playing home court, which in this scenario, you'd be in Minnesota or in New Orleans. Does not matter yeah. for the Thunder? That is a yeah. huge ass deal. Totally. Like talking about like who wins the game holistically. Like if the Thunder could get to nine, which we've already discussed is like, tough giving your two games back basically have to win out yeah that is significant because you know that's a packed house sold out fans game seven yeah fans that haven't been there in years are buying tickets it's a big deal yep and so so this kind of goes against me picking against the timberwolves and that's not to say i mean the timberwolves have had great home crowds uh really ever since their playing game here what was that two seasons ago now the pat bev uh, jumping on the table and all that craziness, <laughs> but the Pelicans, not the best home crowds in New Orleans. Um, so maybe that goes kind of against. Whoa, maybe that kind of goes against my point of of picking against the Pelicans. For what it's worth, um, on Basketball References playoff probability page, I don't know if this is updated after tonight. Um. Yeah, because it's their current is the Oklahoma City Thunder currently 38 and 40? 41. Okay, then it hasn't updated yet. Before tonight, they had the Thunder at a 55% chance at the 10 seed, a 10% chance at the 9 seed, 4% chance at 7, or uh, uh, that's 8, I'm sorry, and 28% chance of not getting in. They had the Mavericks at 70% chance of not getting in. Um, yeah. so basketball reference playoff probability really favors the thunder. Um, the, uh, website playoffstatus.com has OKC at 38 and 41. They have the thunder with a 62% chance at 10, 7% chance at nine, 30% chance at not getting in at all. They have the Mavericks at a 75% chance at not getting Ooh. in at all. Yeah, it's that feeling feels- pretty set in stone mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, I don't. I'm not trying to jinx it, but yeah, same. It it definitely definitely is trending that way, and it's a bummer because honestly, as we're talking about matchups, the one I wanted the most was the Mavericks. Mavericks, same. Oh, dude, Mavs Thunder for the play-in would have been a blast. Agreed. Of these three teams, I think that that's probably who I pick. Yeah. If if everything stays static. Stays as it is. Seven days we come back. We're still looking at seven Lakers, which, hey, Lakers are only a half game behind the Clippers and they play each other yes. later this week. Uh huh. If the Clippers Dolly are in the play in tournament, the dream gentlemen, is still alive, Jacob. The fanfic erotica is still, is still available. <laughs> Thunder win their play in game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're in the, the Clippers crypt. lose against the Lakers, and it's Thunder Clippers. Thunder win, and they get in the, the Clippers lottery pick. Game winner, SGA over Paul George. Magic. Paul George isn't playing, buddy. Oh, yeah, good point. Still. <laughs> wow. The dream yeah. scenario is still in play. Let's just say for argument's sake that the four 
stay the same. Los Angeles at seven, New Orleans at eight, Timberwolves at nine, Thunder at 10. And let's pretend that the Thunder do go up to Minnesota and win. Who do you think wins between a a Lakers-Pelicans matchup? That's also a very fun one. Um, But I'm still going Lakers. They have the star power. They have the experience. They're playing really, really well right now. We've talked a lot about momentum. I've got to go Lakers there. Six of the last seven, they're playing well. Yep. So that would be Thunder Lakers in LA. Or sorry, no. That would be Thunder Pelicans. Yeah. See, I like that. New Orleans. Yeah. If you had to give a percentage. It could be Timberwolves and Pelicans. Mm -hmm. Your two matchups again. Yep. If if you had to give a percentage chance, if you knew that that was going to be the outcome, you have to play Minnesota, and if you win, you have to play New Orleans and win. What percentage chance do you give the Thunder at ending up at seed number eight and in the NBA playoffs? I'd say uh, 40 just because whoa. those are two okay. wins. But like that, winning two on the road back yeah. to back like that and two high intensity games feels pretty unlikely. Let me but ask you this. I'll go as high as 40 is just like, well, they're 38% on the road this year. So you're giving them a better chance than they've been all year against two, two teams that have. Mm. <laughs> I want to get percentage chance first. So Taylor's going 40. Justin? Well, not to not to do more math on the pod, but 38% winning percentage on the road. You're expecting them to do two in a row, which right. I think has to cut the percentage yep. in half, which lowers it to like 19%. I was going to say 20. I, uh, I, I would put it at like 15%. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I think it's Agreed. a tall task. I was going to go 30. Well, okay. I, I Not to say they can't do it, I just think that's that's a big it's a big ask. There's a reason yep. the tenth seed has the hardest path to make yeah, it in. For and sure, I think I think that would would play out. Folks in the chat, let us know what your percentage would be. Here's my question then. So Justin's going fifteen percent because he's a hater. Nick is at twenty. <laughs> Statistician, thank you. Thirty for me, forty for Taylor. Optimist. In both those <laughs> games. Doesn't the Thunder have the best player in yeah, a single I mean, game? Chet's going to be amazing in the playoffs. Shut up, this guy. <laughs> I mean, don't the Thunder have the best player against the he, Timberwolves yeah. and the best player against the Pelicans? Some could argue that the Thunder had the best the best player tonight against Kevin Durant and the Suns. Wow, Taylor's on that homerism tonight. <laughs> No kidding. Thirty nine <laughs> points. That, that Miller Lite he's drinking is is blue and orange. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. In a single game elimination, winner take all. I'm kind of leaning towards the team that's got the best player on the court. Mm. I Nick, like do you, it. Do you disagree on the best player thing, Nick? Look at the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> I know they play. They play no defense, but that that's that fair. theory only goes so far. They also have Kyrie Irving, <laughs> who is also like I know we love to trash on him for a lot of reasons. He's a big game dude. He'll he show is. Up in the big he games. is like he's. I think he's still the NBA's leading fourth quarter scorer. He had twenty in the first half tonight in a loss. Like the best I think player at only this goes point, so far. Kyrie, Kyrie brings more problems to your team than positives to your team. I'll, I'll, also, I'll, I'll, throw the, just, I'll throw this at you because you love this this 
scenario and you've talked about it a lot. <laughs> I am like Shea could and probably will be the best player in most play in matchups. I am more interested and I think it's more impactful regarding Lou Dort and what he does because look at the statistics when Lou Dort is on, which is mostly at home. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thunder are hard to beat. Like when he shoots 50, 55% plus hard to beat when he scores 22 points plus almost impossible to beat. But when he's on the road, that rarely happens. I think it's less about Shea in the play in more about the other guys. So while I agree, best player on the floor always gives you a good advantage. It still comes down to the other guys. I think that's fair. And my pushback would be, especially in a seven-game series, you have to have other guys show up. But if Shea just comes out and scores 45 and wins you a game, like I don't give a shit what the other guys do. Just keep your head above water. I mean, he scored what? I mean, he damn near scores 45 every night. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, like, literally, like, literally. Yep. I, uh, I don't know. I, I would go with the team that's got the best player on the court. I would feel pretty good about having Shea in a matchup against Minnesota or New Orleans. Uh, it'd be but fascinating. They could also say it's one game. Let's shut this guy down, make everybody else beat us. That's yep. fair. And that's and who's, who steps like up Kenrich. to be player number two for OKC. Agreed. I mean, everybody hopes it's dub. It dub? But, <laughs> I mean, is that where Blue guys Dort. like Dub or even Giddy don't have that opportunity because the Lou Dorts are thinking that that should be them and they're taking those shot attempts away. The Isaiah Joe progression to the mean, right, folks. Right, Dude. right, yeah. right. What was it that, that Dignall said post-game? He was like, I'm just sitting in the grass. Uh, I, I'm not trying to overcoach. I'm just sitting in the grass waiting for him to, to catch fire again, essentially. If if you have a playing game and Shea produces what he averages and Dub produces what he averages and Giddy produces what he averages, it comes down to Lou and Isaiah. If, yeah. if Isaiah has been what he's been the past week and Lou plays like road Lou Dort, you're going to lose. Yeah. If they play better, then you're probably hard to beat. It's a great point. Yep. And even if they don't, you're still probably in the final possession of a game. And for our yep. listeners, if and when the Thunder make the play in, we're going to have a preview show with a guest from the opposing team the Thunder will be playing. And we're going to shit talk that guest the entire time. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting because we we cover this team and we know them in and out, home, road, trends, means all that kind of stuff we we know less about the timberwolves right we know less about the pelicans it's easy to talk about like oh yeah bi has been great but the pellet like there's there's always more to it totally and i'm super excited for us getting back to those kind of pods because those are always the most fun yeah and i think yep. that the plan is going to be so much win or lose the fact that thunder are here you can't complain. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Even if they don't make it. Even if they don't make Save it. Save it for next week's pod, Even Nick. if they don't make the play-in, you cannot look at this season. Like, tell me this. Since Paul George left, this rivals the CP year 
do you put this more fun or less fun? Like I, I, I consider it more fun. I think more fun considering what is in the, yeah, the, the short-term future. Right. right. Well, I, in long-term future. The, the, C, the CP team. You knew it was we, coming. We knew it was a one-off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so the did. CP year ended with the COVID and the bubble. So I'd like to not think about that very frequently. Even, <laughs> even those late, even those late years with Russ and PG and Mel, like right. we were excited, but it was, did, did you really think that team is winning a championship? No. First round. Yeah. First we probably talked about anyway. championship because we love to be homers on the pod and optimistic. And like we are, right well, now. that had to be the goal. You have yeah. Russ yeah. and PG. Yeah. There is exactly. no other goal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree, but I can guarantee next Sunday night, this show, the Thunder missed the play in. Those vibes are not going to be there. Nick. For sure. Yeah. For Those sure. good vibes of like, man, well, we had a great run. No, but it'll be a fun draft pod. Furious. The role play was the experience gained along the way. Will it be a fun draft pod when we're talking about pick number 12? No. 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 It's what you it's said. Gonna be it's what you would have said last me, year. They didn't have the number two pick and they got dub at 12. So. You know what's going to be a really fun draft show? When we're talking about what pick the Clippers pick ends up being for us when we knock them out of the plane. <laughs> yeah. Hold That's going to be a fun draft show. No, what's going to be fun is when this team is the fourth seed in the West next year and still gets the sixth pick from the Rockets. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this team went to the Western Conference Finals and we're still going to get one of the best players in this upcoming pick. class. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, we make a second round exit, but we add Cody Williams to the team. Right, right. <laughs> the brothers are back and the the merch opportunities yes. are endless. Yes. Oh boy. All right, last thing to talk about before we get out of here. Over the weekend, it came out that the league and the Players Association have agreed to terms on a new collective bargaining agreement that should go into place July 1, the next fiscal year of the NBA. It is a seven-year agreement, so it should take us to the year 2030, which I don't like to think about. That's not a real year. Yeah, we'll probably all be dead by then. Um, <laughs> but some of the rules, we don't, we don't know everything that's changed. But some of the stuff that has come out so far, as far as team building, is very, very fascinating. I wanted to touch on some of them and just give our thoughts related to the OKC Thunder. Okay? So here is what we got. Uh, From Woj, uh, sources indicate the NBA and the Players Association agreed to eliminate restrictions limiting teams to have two designated Supermax players. Uh, He goes on to use the Cavs as an example. Uh, For those of you who aren't as deep into CBA stuff, each team could only have two Supermax guys. You couldn't trade and add a third. You couldn't sign a third guy to a Supermax. This is going to be pretty impactful for OKC down the line, I think. Uh, we can talk about that one. Next, Shams. And the new C- the new CB8 will create a new second-round pick exception that can be used so teams will no longer have to dip into their mid-level exception to sign second-rounders. First-round picks get guaranteed contracts. Second-rounders, you essentially like signing them in free agency with part of your exception. Yep. No longer the the case Uh, from Woj. There will be new spending and trading opportunities for teams at the middle and lower spectrum of payrolls, including larger trade exceptions 
and new and expanded exceptions to the salary cap, like the mid-level, uh, the the taxpayer mid-level, uh, the room exception, etc. Uh, Shams says that they have locked in salary cap smoothing of up to 10% increases through the new CBA, avoiding the cap spike that famously allowed Kevin Durant to go to the Golden State Warriors. <sighs> Last one I have here, veteran extension limits will increase from 120% to 140%. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff as well. but that Third two-way contract uh, on rosters. Yeah, that's a big one. Third two-way contract. Um, if you, they're, they're putting in, there's a salary cap, there's a tax limit, and then now there's a limit above the tax. And if you exceed that limit above the tax, you can't sign buyout guys. You can't send out money and trades. You can't take in more salary than you send out in trades. Really limits There's only teams. So far, you can trade out for some picks. Yeah, uh, it really limits teams that spend the most money. That would affect like three teams: the Clippers, the Warriors, and I forget who the third one I think was. The Bucks. The Bucks. Um, it would have prevented trades like uh, Katie to Phoenix or Harden to Brooklyn or. Um, couple of years ago, that Portland trade with the Los Angeles Clippers that landed them Robert Covington and who's the little guard I'm forgetting there. Oh, that's what I was trying to think as well. The uh, six man guy for Clippers. Why am I going? Terrence Mann? Well, yeah. I mean, no, 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 no. But who they acquired from the, the Trailblazers. Oh, wait. The Trailblazers traded Gary Trent Jr. for him. And then they traded this guy down to the Clippers. What's his name? Going blank on it also. Start with an N. Why do I want to say that? Norman Powell. 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 Thank you, Norman. Oh, that was like two years ago. Yeah, but that trade would not have been able to go through. Okay, okay. That was an example they gave. All of that considered, how does this impact the Oklahoma City Thunder? Oh, Meek Leak also brings up a good point. Double draft isn't happening. They're, They're not... The yep. the players apparently nobody has interest in yeah. removing the restrictions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, teams don't want to go scout high school it's games. So risky. Um, players don't want seventeen year olds in the league pushing out vets. Uh, I can see it from both sides. I mean, no double draft will happen. Think about if 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 you could have guys come straight out of high school. We're looking at the like in in this in the last draft, twenty twenty two where Dub and Chet were taken. You're looking at Derek Lively, number one player in this class. A year in college, he's like a late first rounder. Chloe Ware Whitehead was, was the number seven pick. Derek Whitehead was like two or three. Nick Smith Jr. Injuries. was top five. And it's like these guys that were would have been like a top five pick, even like Jaden Hardy the year before, are guys that are not getting taken there. So it's just so risky. So I get that. My big takeaway, holistically, all the things you just mentioned, it balances the league. And when you go on Twitter and look at the people complaining, it's the (laughs) big big markets that are pissed, small markets that are happy. And everyone's saying, "This this is the end. This is the beginning of the end for the NBA. I disagree. I think it's balancing the league as it should be. And it's very evident when you see who's complaining and who's happy. And then the teams in the middle are like, eh, whatever. Like, nothing really changes. Which is 
what the CBA is supposed to do. True. And Nick, I don't, I don't even think that's necessarily small market versus big market. Although I understand that obviously the bigger markets are the ones paying the most money right now. So therefore they're the ones that are maybe penalized the most but th- uh, due to this. Th- think about controlling your own guys and the max contract right. slots and like, that's well, that's agency, where it benefits the small markets big time. Correct, correct. But even more than that, it benefits a well-disciplined organization who is already doing the small things, like you mentioned, Nick, going to high school gyms, scouting these players well off in advance, uh, and then bringing in these players, identifying them, being able to bring them into your organization and developing them long-term. So, like, yes, I, I'm trying to remember who I was talking about, about this with today, but – the Thunder probably can't afford to sign four different guys to Supermax extensions, but this does allow them the opportunity to. You know, they've been saving up to be able to, to sign a Chet, Shea, and a J-Dub, just to use three examples, to Supermax. Um, that's really big for a team like OKC. Even if they are a small market, even if it may be hard for them to afford long-term to also be able to build up a, rest, a roster around those guys, gives them the opportunity to be able to do so, where in the past they wouldn't be able to. And that's where you would see a Shea Gilgis Alexander or a player of that caliber potentially be wooed by other teams, right? The bigger markets to your point. Have, Nick. have we heard? So here's the thing about all this stuff is that we have not had a PDF document of the CBA dropped in our lap. It's been mostly reporting, and there's always more to the story. Like Shams dropped the he dropped the cannabis, sports betting, all that kind of stuff. And then 16 hours later, it was like, but here's their implications. Like if you're investing in sports betting, it's got to be on this side of the business, not the actual betting. Yep. There's all these ramifications. We, have, we haven't seen everything yet. Have we heard anything about trading a player and still having the ability to retain? So like Josh Giddy, if the Thunder were to do a consolidation trade for a star, be it Jalen Brown, be it whoever, you have to assume a young player and picks are going in the package. So let's say Josh Giddy is the guy that ultimately gets a Thunder, another star. Is Josh Giddy then able to be signed to that Supermax on his second team? Or is it just the team that drafted him? Have we, have we got that clarity yet? I don't think so. Ooh, I don't know about that. That's, that's the but... kind of stuff that's like, we don't, I don't know if we know enough yet yeah. to really say, I mean, man, this is the end of the league rides, or this think... is great. If you're obtaining his bird rights, I would think so, right? See, I don't um, know. This is, this that's is why they use CBA. the Cavs yeah. example because they the Cavs traded for Donovan Mitchell, who's yeah. but they traded for Donovan Mitchell when he was already on his supermax, right? Oh, okay, right. okay, right. But so like so, Giddy, then, the ability to trade him and the team that acquires him have that exception versus not having that exception makes his trade value in this hypothetical consolidation for a star trade look a lot different. We just don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big, big difference for small versus large markets, right? Like that at face value that the increasing uh, super max players from two to three is a huge deal for small markets. But when it first came out, my first thought was like, it seems really good, but it feels like one of those things that in like five years can be like, oh, but there was this yeah. loophole that we all right. missed. Right. That right. now Golden State has seven max players on their yeah. team because they did X, <laughs> Y, and Z yeah. light years and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. My my big takeaway from it was the Thunder 
we've all been very adamant that they're going to wait for the new CBA rules before they decide to do anything. I think this is a good thing for yeah. OKC, considering where they are at right now. Yeah. You have one Supermax guy. Yep. Under the old CBA, you were only going to be able to max out one other person. Josh is the first one up. So if you somehow get Josh to sign for like a non-max, which we don't know what that's going to look like. We all have opinions. We yep. don't know what it'll look yeah, yeah. like. Then the next up is Dub and Chet. And how do you go into that room and say one of you is getting a max and one of you isn't? Yeah. Because if not, we got to trade one of you. It's a very good thing for OKC in that sense. Agreed. It eliminates the, the, James the free situation. agency stuff, like not being able to go out and get free agents if you're over the tax. Best free agent the Thunder's ever signed is Nerlens Noel. Isaiah Joe, thank you very Isaiah much. Then, was he signed or was he picked up <laughs> off of waivers? He was signed. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah, he definitely is. He definitely but, is. It's still, I'm I'm being funny. But, but to your they're, point. they're not going to go out and sign some big name free agent. It also limits you in trades. Um, but Sam Vecini had a tweet this weekend that said all the all this stuff that's come out really makes you feel like teams are going to have to be really good about their draft picks. Yeah. You know, if Which... you're not going to be able to sign these veteran um, uh, minimum contracts to buy out guys and make these advantageous trades, you replenish your talent with draft picks. Yep. Well, the Thunder got a million of them. Yeah. Right. It also made me think, and I mentioned it in your guys' thought on this. If you can't really make big time trades and do big things once you're over the tax limit, the Thunder are about three years away from there. Because once Shay's Shay's already on his max, once but, you sign Josh and then you sign Chet and Dub, you're kind of already at that threshold. So does that kind of speed up the timeline a little bit as far as if they're going to make some sort of big all-in move, it's coming in the next couple of years before they are limited by these new rules and being over the tax? I think one one reference point, though, when we talk about like the number of max guys and these super max guys, like this is top of the head math. I think Shay's last year is 38 million. Maybe someone can look that up and confirm. Carl Anthony Towns last year is 62 million. Yeah. Wow. So just because, just because we're talking about like, you can have three max guys and like max doesn't always equal max depending on when you signed it. And if you had the, if you hit the escalator, Shade did not hit the escalator. Um, it's, it's not apples to apples, like yeah. 62 mil in 2027 versus 38 mil in 2027 is a lot. Like, damn near double. Right. So like, I think the Thunder are in a really, really good spot. I'll have to say. So now we're getting into the cap smoothing, which is another thing that was introduced yep. apparently in this and agreed to in this new CBA. So as the new media rights that we keep talking about, that's the other piece of this is new media rights and uh, at BRI basketball or related income. Yeah, related income that the, the players and the, the owners split. It's like OPEX, Taylor. Put that in your world. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, now I lost my train of thought. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> uh, regardless, I think that that's another aspect as well. So to your point, oh, okay, there we go. You're mentioning Shay's final year of his, his contract, right? Yeah. Like that's going to look even more minimal um, 
as those revenue numbers go up. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Definitely. Like the the J dub possible max, the Chet possible max is gonna Still be a lot of be money. pretty good value. Oh, another players. thing that's really good for OKC. In the past, if you weren't signing a guy to a max contract, uh like maximum money, you could only sign them for up to four years. That has changed. You can now sign them for up yep. to five. Yep. That is huge for it's small awesome. markets. That's awesome. So also, if you if you don't in clutch as always. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Shay. If you ever. don't max Josh, you can still get him on a five-year deal, yep. which is massive. Fantastic. That's yes, that's the other one I was thinking of. Uh, and then also, again, I just mentioned this here a little bit ago, but the the third two-way contract, not nearly as significant as the the previous provisions that we've been talking about. But a team like the Thunder, who have found the Aaron Wiggins, the Lou Dortz, I mean, even the Lindy Waters at this point, um, via two-way signings. The ability to be able to sign another player at a two-way, especially with the amount of draft picks that the Thunder have coming up, first and second rounders, that just creates additional roster opportunities to bring those guys in um, yeah. and to con- continue to take gambles on guys who aren't working out or you want to bring somebody new in. Like, I continue to think, again, this is, it probably isn't going to happen, but like Jamius Ramsey's uh, playing for the OKC Blue. Like, if you had a third two-way spot, you could probably bring him in yeah. and you know during this stretch here over the past week where Lenny Waters is hurt you have a Jameis Ramsey playing for example who can give you some some spot minutes off the bench and some scoring off the bench again just more and more roster more opportunities and, yep. and development and more op- uh, optionality when they're negotiating all this shit between the NBA PA and the NBA I think that was probably like the easiest negotiation was like the fifth year because from the player standpoint you want guarantee like the NBA is not the NFL. Mm-hmm. The NFL, it's like this quarterback gets $150 million, but 86 is guaranteed. So if you tear your ACL, and you're you can convert this much. like however much you want each season signing, to signing bonus. bonus. It's, it's, it's NFL is kind of bullshit to be honest. But in the NBA, it's all guaranteed. Like we've seen Chandler Parsons, like you don't have to play and you're getting your money regardless. Right. Um, so from a player standpoint, the fifth year is great because I'm not a max player, but I'm guaranteed I'm going to make millions and millions of dollars for five years, whether I flare out or not Mm -hmm. from the team perspective, Jalen Brunson's probably a really good example where he's like, what? 23, 24. He signed a four year, $102 million deal. Um, so you're, you're getting through age 29. If you have the fifth year now. You give him that same amount, the AVV, over the fifth year. Now you have a guy till once he's done with his rookie deal, you're getting him through age 30, which That's most guys, barring, yeah, barring a superstar like KD, you still balling the hell out at, what is he, 34? <laughs> most NBA players, like through 30 is what you want. So that mm-hmm. really yeah. puts you in a spot where it's a win-win. The player gets longer-term guaranteed money, but the, play, the, the team gets you on a lower rate through your prime because you're not going to have to negotiate again when you're 27 in the thick of it and try to get into the 32, 33 years old when your money's not going to be worth it. That's a win-win. I, I love that for the league. Totally. Uh, my last two things before I get out of here. Uh, number one, I, I think we maybe got some wires crossed a little bit because there's so much information talking about the designated max players that you can only have two. It's not that they increased it to three. It's that it's unlimited now. And I think we kind of got our wires crossed with that and the two-way guys. So it's not like you have to pick between 
have already having Shay and then Giddy plus Chet plus Deb. You can max all of them if you want. Right. Um, the second thing, Nick, you mentioned people are been saying, and I, I've seen this a lot. Oh, this is the start of the downfall of the league. I don't think the players association and the league itself went in and said, how can we screw this up? The people who think it's the downfall of the league are the people who are also tweeting, well, I hope Clay Thompson's going to enjoy being in Charlotte. Like what this does is it brings parody. And I don't know what ratings are, but I bet people have been watching a lot more NBA basketball with play in games and with this crazy tight Western conference race, because parody is fun and it gets more people bought in. Yep. We don't know who the hell is going to win the finals this year. There's like five teams that could do it. And previous, like previous, what, half a decade? It's been, oh, it's going to be the Warriors or whoever LeBron. Or one of those for. teams in the East. Yeah. 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 Now there's right. like so much parody to it that I think a lot of fans are enjoying it more. And this helps that parody. Yeah. I mean, the, the, and I also want to see Clay be... Thompson play in Charlotte. They, they, they <laughs> love, they love to crap on new ideas. The play in was kind of crapped on early on. Like, oh, yeah. The play in's incredible. Like, these nine, the these nine ten seeds, like, they're not going to make it anyways. Who cares? But like, if the play in didn't exist, we would already be talking about you no know, lottery. We wouldn't even be talking about the lottery. The Thunder wouldn't have even been competitive since February. Mm-hmm. Totally Straight agree. Straight up. Yep. Straight up. Straight totally up. agree. We also get an in-season tournament. People have been crapping on that. I think it's gonna be fun. It'd be so sick. And they're like five hundred thousand dollars. These guys like they they go to the bathroom and make that much. But like tell that guys, to Muddy Waters. They're in, <laughs> but but they're that also in it for way more than money. Like this right. is the chance to like go in there and just also, like have fun and ball out. And the big thing here, well, obviously outside of the the main thing that the league wins is additional revenue opportunities. But for the teams and the players, these games go towards your eighty two yeah regular mm-hmm. season schedule. And so you can will, actually yes, play an eighty three. There will game. be there will be two teams that have to play eighty three eighty three. But eighty three still okay. It I mean, be a thing. Know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's gonna true. be cool. if you win that. I think that's gonna be fun. That could be a real. That could be a real. Thunder advantage. win the play-in tournament this this current season, and we're you know they're up there with the Timberwolves and the Lakers to go come back full circle. Hey, um, because they have an additional game. First team to win a summer league chip, a play-in chip, and an NBA and chip. OKC Thunder. Okay, 2023-2024. Go put your bets down in Vegas. Sponsored by Kawhi Leonard. Now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and I think worst case, worst case, it, I mean, it does count towards your regular season record. So it's not going to be like an all-star weekend where it's like, no, LeBron's going to go to the Caribbean for the, it's not going to happen, but I think it could be a cool opportunity where maybe you do play some young guys yeah, and yeah, get them like exposure to a higher level of consequence your, for your... lack of a better term, because it, it, it is that way because it's a tournament, but also if you lose, it's just like losing to the Hornets on a Tuesday. Like it's, it's, right. it's really just one game, but it feels yeah. bigger. But if you get to those late, those late rounds in that championship, like, Oh, for sure. Competition takes over. And yeah. what a great experience for a young team, like a Orlando magic or an Oklahoma city thunder. Yep. And, well, and the, this is, we, a we, we see, we see tiebreakers be a big thing. We've talked about a couple yeah. tonight. If you end up going to play a team, 
in the semifinals. Yeah, that's fascinating. How does that impact tiebreakers? Like that, that we've really seen like the Lakers with the Thunder or the Thunder with the Mavs. We're gonna look all it takes is year one. A team makes the play in because they beat a team in the piece of crap midseason tournament in year two of the midseason tournament. Things change. Last thought of the midseason tournament. We really got to get out of here. We've been podcasting for a long time. <laughs> so much. To talk about. What happens if you like, if the Thunder play the New York Knicks in the the midseason tournament, but they were scheduled to also play the New York Knicks in February? Like, how does that affect the schedule moving forward? I, don't I think, think it, that'll be fascinating. I don't, I don't think it does. Well, you got to play whoever wins the on the other side of the bracket of you. That's the extra game. Oh, touche. Yeah. Which is fun. Nick, Nick actually wrote the CBA. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hell no. Awesome. I can't hey, do math. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Uncontested. We hope you enjoyed your time. We had a lot of people in the chat. Really appreciate that. We're not going to get to your questions tonight. I also rhymed there. I didn't mean to do that. We're not going to have time to get to questions tonight because we talked for too long. But thank you guys so much. Before we get out of here, we got to hit really quick uh, predictions for the final week of the season. Justin, Tuesday, the Thunder at the Warriors, who are 32-8 and eight at home. They have a wide range of outcomes for the playoffs. Thunder versus Dubs, Tuesday, 9 p.m. Justin, what do you got? L. Taylor? I don't feel good about it. L. Nick? Yeah, it's a loss. Thursday, the Thunder go to the Utah Jazz, who are probably out of playing contention. They were playing their guys today. It'll be interesting to see if they stop playing their guys at some point. Nick, what happens out in Salt Lake? I think it's a win. There were some weird tweets from the Jazz. If you look at their like actual account on Twitter, it was almost like a packing up the season kind of thing. I, maybe maybe I misread it, but I could have sworn their tweet was like, Larry Markinen finishes the season with this, oh, this, and this. And I was like, oh, finishes the season. Taylor, what happened hey, to Salt Lake? Taylor Horton Tucker, n- another career night against OKC. Uh, no, I'm going to go ahead and go with the win. Justin, give me a win. Nice. Finally, the Thunder close out the regular season at home. Easter Sunday, 2.30 p.m. After you've hunted your eggs and stuffed yourself full of 2:30. ham. 2.30. Justin, <laughs> what happens at the Paycom for the last game of the season? Thunder go out on a high note and beat the Grizz. Taylor? It may be the pessimist in me after this past week, but I kind of think this one's an L. I'm, I'm just feeling one and two this week. Nick? Yeah, it's an L. I, I think this is going to be one of those weird down-to-the-wire. The Thunder had every chance to to make it in, and it comes down to some weird like tiebreaker <laughs> the- Kenneth Lofton Jr. goes God. off for 25 points. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so I'm you... with I'm with Justin. I'm going two and one with wins against the Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know who Memphis is going to play. And I just want to beat Memphis because I don't like him. My my rationale is we broke down this final 12 games into three sections. They went two and two in the hard section. They went two and two in the easy section. They're gonna go two and two in the final section. I love it. You guys, thank you so much for joining tonight. We will be back with you Tuesday night after late night after the Thunder take on the Golden State Warriors. This guy, that way, Nick Crane. (laughs) There it is. 
We'll be post game on that one. Maybe if the Thunder win, I'll join you, Nick. <laughs> then Thursday against the Jazz, that would be our own Taylor Peterson right up here. And then next Sunday is one not to miss as we will break down the Memphis Grizzlies game, talk all things play-in, and then next week, play-in basketball. It almost feels like a certainty now. Knock Maybe. on wood. <laughs> Settle down. We will be talking all of that with you guys. We're not going anywhere. Either sure play-in to... primer or draft primer. There you go. Make sure to sub to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all social media channels. Drop us a five-star rating on whichever podcast podcast platform you listen to or you could drop a three star and say uh, better than nothing that also works thank you guys we'll see you again soon and as always thunder up everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.